The Sports Career Podcast, episode 252. What skill sets do you need to pursue a career in the digital sector of the sports industry? Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. Before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, I've got a free ebook for you if you're struggling with regards to building and network in the sports industry. So this new ebook is three steps to start and build a global network in the sports industry where I share some of the methods I've used to really build a global network in the sports industry through my podcast show. So if you want more information about that, go to education to sport forward slash NB and check it out there. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the digital sector of the sports industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is David Gibbs. David is the Director of Project Management with Group Apps, Partner Content and Advertisement at Sky. For over 15 years of experience, David has been at Sky and been really involved with regards to the product development at Sky, such as the Sky Sports app like Sky Go, Sky Sports and mobile application and services, Sky Sports and Sky News with the content production, Sky Q and OTT product experiences as well. He has a phenomenal experience in this sector of the sports industry and it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. That's when today's episode, David will share his sports career journey and explain to you the core skills you need to pursue a career in the digital sector of the sports industry. David, thank you for coming as a special guest on the show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here um, to chat through this. So I suppose I'm, I'm quite unique in that I've been with one company. Well, I've been here twice, but I've been with one company for, for most of my career. And it's been, a, I suppose, a fairly unorthodox route through, through that. Um, so I started with Sky 1998. Um, so I started out of university just as we were moving into digital TV. So we were moving from eight or nine channels to 50, 60, 70 odd TV channels. I kind of knew that I wanted to work um, in kind of marketing, advertising, TV side of it. And I had a huge passion for sports, being a big consumer of sports. But I didn't know how to get in. I mean, I had no idea there was, you, you didn't have access to resources like this um, then. So... I saw an ad looking for people to sell TV ad space with Sky. So I thought, okay, that might be a route in. Um, and it was. So, yeah, so my initial, um, my initial job was selling TV ad space. Did that for a couple of years. And then uh, this thing called the internet happened. So I was always interested in technology, always interested in 
in kind of sports fans and their behavior and how they consumed media. So I thought this was quite interesting. Yeah, how do I, how do I kind of get into that? So um, we set up a, an internet ad sales space and team within Sky um, with a big focus on sports. Now, you, you've got to remember this was in the days of 56K modems, you know, mobile phones were in, in any way where they were, where they are now. Um, people were mainly connecting through a desktop. Um, the idea of streaming video was still very new and the tech didn't support it, but it was also a kind of a real innovation space and was right with investment with people wanting to do lots and lots of different stuff. Um, so we set up a commercial sales team for Sky and we, um, we built up skysports.com at that point. And even then we were, you know, we were trying to do things that the rest of the industry wasn't. So our first live streamed football match was the England-Scotland Euro 2000 playoff at Wembley. And I think we probably fell over at about 300 users. Um, but we were trying to, uh, we were trying to do, do a lot. So I did that for a little while. And then, as I said, there was a lot of investment in the dot-com boom at that time. And I went to join a, a business called teamtalk.com, which at that point was the biggest football website um, in the UK. Their business was very much unofficial club news. So transfer rumours and that type of stuff. And that was primarily a web-based desktop service. So I did that for, so I set up a commercial team with that for about, I did it for about two years. So I was 25. I had the opportunity to set up my own office in London. We had a team of about 10 or 12 of us and it was great fun. But as most dot-com businesses at that time, they didn't last very long. So I, I, the business just folded. They moved into other things and actually sub Sky subsequently ended up acquiring that business a bit further down the line. But I got a real taste for sports and digital and the internet and that kind of stuff and, and wanted to continue doing that. But I wanted to sort of broaden my commercial knowledge away from just ad sales. So I actually went into the betting space. So I did about a year um, working for Eurobet. So that was part of Coral. Online betting was just becoming much more popular, much more common, not to the scale it is these days. But I just decided that betting wasn't a career for me, wasn't a long-term career, wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, so I started looking again. I thought, right, okay, so I've got a whole bunch of commercial experience. I'm kind of at the start of this sports digital journey. And I actually went back to Sky and I joined what was called Sky Sports Ventures at that point. This is going to be before a lot of your listeners' time. But um, lots of TV companies had invested in football clubs um, because there was a view that uh, clubs might start selling their own rights rather than the Premier League selling them collectively. So it was a kind of a, a sort of stance to defend against that. Clubs took investment. TV companies took investments in football clubs. So we'd invested in uh, Leeds United, who were flying at that time. They were Champions League semi-finalists, had an investment in Man United, had an investment in Man City, had an investment in Chelsea. And as part of that investment, we were commercial agents for the club. So we were doing shirt sponsorship deals, club partnership deals, that type of stuff. And that was just fascinating for me. It was a kind of, you know, I was working for a big TV organisation, but we had this sort of separate business where we were looking at sports sponsorships and I spent a lot of time with clubs um, and a lot of time in that space, which, um, which I learned a lot 
of how those businesses operate and actually sort of size those businesses. They're quite small businesses, really, and, and sort of how they work. But I still had a, a real kind of appetite for the digital side. So I was look, always looking for other opportunities in that space. And at that time, the, the whole mobile side was kicking off. Um, big investment in 3G infrastructure, um, big kind of uh, vision around video and um, all of that type of stuff. And we we made an investment into a bunch of uh, Premier League rights. So I think it was the first time the Premier League had sold the mobile rights, highlights rights to their content. So we made a big investment in that space. We probably invested too early. The technology just wasn't there to support the type of experience that you see today. There's kind of two two parts to the mobile world. You sort of pre-iPhone and post-iPhone. Um, so when we launched, we were trying to launch on quite patchy 3G networks with small um, devices, small screen devices, and, and the customer appetite and the tech just didn't quite work. But there was definitely something in it. So I kind of kept pushing away that side of it. Um, and then the iPhone came along and then that was the real game changer. The sort of the, the, the world change for sports consumption. So they led the team that was responsible for creating all of our mobile experiences. So we were building out mobile apps for Sky Sports and um, Sky Go. So we were live streaming games, um, news, video clips, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so I did that for a little while and then the opportunity came around to to sort of broaden that and I moved into a the role of digital director for Sky Sports. So it was a kind of, it was a sort of digital transformation role really. So I was responsible for a team of about 150 and they were journalists, uh, editors, video producers, technology, commercial. And bearing in mind that I'd never written a story, I'd never produced or edited a video I was somewhere out of my comfort zone but I just put my hand up and thought I'd do it um, and I probably had four four and a half five years of the most yeah it was probably the most rewarding part of my career because we took yeah Sky, Sky is is and still is really a TV business it's it's core um, business model is is pay TV now the, the way that people pay TV has evolved over time but that is what it is yeah so we moved that to more than just a TV business to build Europe's biggest digital sports network. So today you've probably got, you know, on a monthly basis, if you include all of our social channels, 40, 50 million people engaging with Sky Sports on a monthly basis. So suddenly, um, you know, the opportunity to build products and services that were in the hands of millions and millions of people was really rewarding. And we took Sky through that journey, really. We took them from a yeah, we took all the team through that. Yeah, we were a TV business. Now, actually, we're a multi-platform business. And the content that we produce and uh, the audiences that we talk to are very different compared to, you know, depending on which platform they, they come um, to join us with. And then we've had, you know, I was then kind of part of the team that, you know, we worked on an acquisition for a company called Whistle Sports, which is um, probably, the, well, they'll call themselves the world's biggest youth media um sports business and that's primarily content that's delivered on youtube and tiktok and snap etc uh, we also invested in a business called diagonal view that run a bunch of um youtube channels football daily so really taking sports sky sports and its people into different areas was something that i was uh, just really proud of so yeah that's kind of my 
my sports journey, really. Wow, what a first reply. Gosh, I've gosh, I've got a few questions. I've got to go back in time. Really, number one, when you started Sky in 1998, I would say a fair few sports were going that amateur to professional. The one that sticks to mind was rugby, and it was only six years with the new Premier League, what it is today. How has TV elevated these sports now from your experience from a TV perspective? I think what you've got to remember is that really before Sky Sports, like sports only had free-to-air TV to to talk to their audiences. And, you know, you were you were up against Neighbours and the News and, you know, Coronation Street and a whole bunch of other programming. So um, what Sky did really was, was create a dedicated space for um, rights holders to showcase their sport, um, you know, a cricket you, you know cricket was on free to air tv like you you wouldn't necessarily watch all five days because they would put something else in, in 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 its place so i think what sky did really is is one gave those rights holders the opportunity to showcase their sports and they're really going depth right so it's not just about the live event it's about all of the post and pre-match programming and everything that comes around it and if you look at how that's kind of evolved today it's not only do they have these channels there's actually there's genre specific channels now so there's an f1 channel and a cricket channel and a golf channel but there's all of these other platforms where um we can bring that content alive so if you look at something like the hundreds a really good example the hundred is a it's a brand new event that sky and the bbc have worked with the ecb to really create something different for these audiences um, and the first match that went out, it went out on free-to-air TV with BBC, it went out on Sky, but it also went out on our YouTube channel. So essentially the, the ECB have got the opportunity to talk to three different types of audiences. You've got the broad reach of the BBC, you've got the sports-specific reach of Sky Sports Cricket, and then you've got a completely different audience that wants to interact in a different way on YouTube. The, the benefit of having dedicated sports channels just gives you a lot more, a, lot, a much bigger opportunity for those sports to breathe and be promoted. And just going back to your career, when you got that first role at Sky again, you said you started in sales. Looking back, how has that skill supported you throughout your career journey looking back now? The commercial return is, is still everything, really. It's kind of, you know, sport is a business. And at the end of the day, a business has to drive value. Now, whether that's pure revenue or something else. So I was kind of, you know, you were at the sort of the, the, um, the, the meet your end of that. So really understanding, you know, you take all this content on board, how do you actually make some money out of it? So I think it gave me a really sort of, one, a really good commercial understanding of the business and how the business operates. And also gave me quite a good view of the sort of overall business and the sort of component parts of that and what brings it all together. So I think, yeah, I, I didn't ever see my future in sales, but it was a, it was a really good opportunity to get in and understand um, how the business drives value. Yeah, and also I want to touch on the uh, betting experience you had with regards to, because throughout the people I've interviewed on the show, everybody has moments where they're doing a certain job or a certain industry set they're not keen of. How important is it to take a step back and evaluate knowing what you want to do instead of doing what you don't want to do? And like you did, you went back to Sky. But I just want the listeners to understand that throughout a career, you may have to take those decisions that, relate to you and the, the choices you want to make from a career development perspective? So, so I think you, you, you know when something isn't quite right. 
Um, and then I think you you can stick with it, see if it changes. Um, you can stick with it and just live with it, or you can decide that actually this isn't for me and isn't going to work. Um, and some of that's a risk. Um, most of it's not. Like I, I kind of have the view that view that generally, like most things work out all right. Um, so you've got a sort of loose plan. So I thought, yeah, I, I kind of felt that I'd, I'd had enough experience doing that. I didn't walk in and and walk out two weeks later. So I sort of I felt that yeah, there's enough experience here. It probably looks okay in my CV, but it isn't what I want to do. Um, and I know why it isn't what I want to do. And yeah, it's just I think you're right. You just you, you kind of have to take a step back and just weigh up all of the risks in, in doing it. And it wasn't particularly risky for me to leave because I knew there was other opportunities. I felt that I'd got the right experience and I was at the part of something fairly new. And I think, you know, the benefits of working in similar sector for that period of time that I've done is you do become, a, I suppose, an expert in, I suppose I'm an expert in digital sports, right? Um, it's quite a good thing to be an expert in because it's quite interesting and fun. Um, but yeah, so I kind of, yeah, yeah, I think if you, yeah, that, that's been the constant in everything that I've tried to do. And another example I want to get back to, because I just really enjoyed your enthusiasm of how you said uh, with the experience of the director of digital when you had to, you know, look after, well, not look after, you're in charge of 150 journalists. You said you were out of your comfort zone. How important is it to have that do attitude and again, take risks, but this sounded like a positive risk. If that makes sense of getting out of that comfort zone. I just would love you to evaluate that, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's two, I suppose there's two points really where I've kind of felt myself putting my hand up going, should I really do this or not? I'm going to go for it. Sod it. I'm going for it. One was when uh, one was when we acquired the rights to the Premier League, um, where my job was moving from much more commercial to more sort of product techie side of it, and I didn't didn't really I wasn't I didn't come from that background. My tech knowledge was as much as of a, as of a user as anything else. But then the second one, yeah, it's kind of you know you get pulled into an office with a MD of Sky Sports, and he says, "Do you want to run our digital team?" And I kind of looked and thought, of course I do. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Um, you know, I love sports. I love media. I love the digital side of it. Why wouldn't I do it? And I think that it's about making sure that you've got the right people around you to support that. So I would never, I would never dream of making editorial decisions because I'm not the best qualified to do that. So what I did is I made sure that I had the best person to make those decisions around me. Um, you know, I would never necessarily make the biggest technology decisions because I'm not the best person to do that I probably think I am around the product side of it you know I wouldn't make editing video decisions because I'm not the best person to do that so what I made sure was I went and got the right team from the right places um, and then I think if you if you set a vision and a strategy to to where you want to go and everybody knows why they're doing the things they're doing and what impact that has on the overall business. I think we're in a really good place. So I think, yeah, I think it's about de-risking it as well, right? So you know, I, I kind of, I really wanted to do that job and I love doing that job. It was brilliant. It was great fun. You know, you're, you're working on services that said that have been used by tens of millions of people every month. And yeah, I kind of, I, I trusted myself but made sure that I had the right people around me. Again, looking back, what skills specifically did you develop during that time? Like one that stood out of you sort of says delegation and relates to having the right people around you. Yeah, that's one of them. I think 
it was I suppose it was my leadership skills you know being able to build you know I said well we, we want to be the number one sports destination um, for fans across Europe um, that is what we want to be we want to make sure that um, when somebody wants to you know from you know, someone starts their day with Sky Sports and someone finishes their day with Sky Sports um, you know whether they want to do that on our website on our mobile app on our YouTube channel on our Snap channel uh, or with TikTok or via a podcast that is where we want to be and I think yeah so I think it was that sort of that leadership style around you know setting an overall vision setting about you know the strategy to achieve that what our objectives make sure everybody is clear on what the KPIs are I think that was probably one of my biggest skills and then managing disparate people because you know journalists are very different than software developers who are very different than um, video editors so it's yeah that was another thing really it was about so if you take yourself out the comfort zone, you start working with people that, that aren't necessarily like you. Um, so you have to you have to build those skills around you know, tact and diplomacy and all of that kind of stuff to, to manage those different teams. How about communication? I want to tap into this. I want to dig into this point. Like, like you said, speaking to a journalist could be different communication to a video editor. Could you just, you know, enhance that point if that's possible? Yeah, I think... Um, it's, it's an interesting one and one you kind of you just have to learn to to adapt your style I think um, you know if I, I kind of found that if I was going to a, a, a journalist with a kind of a sort of look at me with a bit of suspicion like you know and you've never you've never written a story or you don't really know and you know if you go in there sort of with the kind of corporate jargon you're going to get kind of uh, yeah okay um, so I think it's really about just adapting those styles to to different teams I think if you're consistent with your message but you sort of adapt the way that you convey that message I think you know if you you've got a clear clear kind of vision that everyone's trying to work to it's just then about adapting that vision for different teams awesome and look I want to get to the real skill sets just for a listener listening because David you've gone through the journey of the transformation of television now into the digital side of how we can consume sport what qualities do the listener need to work in this industry with regards to digital sport and digitalization sport if they want to get into this industry sector? I generally don't tend to talk about digital because like everything is digital, right? I think number one is like you really need to understand the customer or fan or user, however you want to term them. Um, I like the word fans because I think people are, you know, it's great because people are passionate about sport. So you're producing experiences that people are really passionate about, which is great fun. So I think number one is you need to under- really understand that audience. And the benefit now is there's so much data about that audience. I mean, you know from your podcast, right? You know who's listening, how long they've listened for, how often they come back, where they get to on the actual podcast. The ability to, to use all of that insight and they then make decisions based on that, I think is really important. You clearly need to be tech literate, but I think the days of, you know, editors and producers and having to work on big complex pieces of kit, like that's changed. The barriers to that have gone down a lot. So, you know, most of it is based on, you know, a desktop and you can have people who can produce a video, they can edit a video, they can voice a video. I think you need to be adaptable because this is always changing. What I've really enjoyed has been the pace of change, um, but it doesn't stop. You know, a year ago, two years ago, no one had heard of TikTok. 
it's now like you know hundreds and hundreds of million hours every week right engagement is through the roof um, there'll be another tiktok in another year so i think it's about yeah it's about being adaptable um and probably understanding that the place that you start it's not the place that you're going to finish i think passion our passion for sports helps but you you kind of need more than just a passion for sports you need to be more than just a sports fan to really succeed because it's very competitive right you've got to be resilient as well but i think it's an exciting time it's you know it's you know the i think we tend to i mean google will always say that you tend to uh you tend to overestimate the short-term impact of technology but underestimate the long term um and i think sort of you know changing behavior and expectations of sports fans um will only continue to kind of grow and change and you just need to be adaptable to that and uh, and be able to to quickly figure out which of the things that are going to work and which of the things that aren't yeah i think you've said a good point just i had an idea just for the listener listening in to get into it what are your thoughts if the listener creates their own content let's say my podcast show and then analyze their own data or do Instagram lives and analyze their own data. Will these skills support them when they're in the bigger companies like Skies? I think what I'm trying to say, if a listener wants to get in and they go, well, how, what's the first step? I assume one of them is to use all these different social media tools so they get a flavor of the power of content, the power of data. And then from that micro experience, they can have a better understanding when they're with like a top company like Sky. This is a brainstorm idea that's come come live but i loved your thoughts on that yeah 100 percent. so i mean i can give you some sort of working examples of that so uh when we um when we acquired the business diagonal view there was a very popular channel called football daily and our our belief was that the teams that were working on that they were producing their own content they were presenting their own content they were cutting their own content they were analyzing their own content they were doing their own publishing they were doing their own audience development and that was one person one or two people and our our belief was well clearly they are appealing to a different audience from sky um and there was an opportunity to take all of those skills and and, um bring those into sky both for us to learn that actually we don't always need some of these big complex production workflows but actually you know how do we get these how do we get this talent um in front of different audiences. So there was a guy called Joe Tomlinson and he um, he was presenting Football Daily and he is now, he's on TV with Gary Neville. He's presenting a Saturday morning show. He was interviewing Justin Bieber um, backstage at uh, one of the, I think it was the Joshua fight or one of the fights. So like, absolutely. And we've also, you know, we've taken into our apprentice scheme um, people that have been running their own YouTube channels and they're able to show that, that this is the content that I've been producing. This is my understanding of how, you know, how I'm using a camera, how I'm using a mic, um, how I'm editing content and how I'm interpreting that and growing my audience myself. Those skills are um, invaluable when you look at how modern media companies are going to grow and produce content. If you look at the BBC, the BBC, you know, they'll produce hours and hours of Olympics content this year, but, there's no one there. They're all doing it from Manchester. But that would have been unthinkable two or three years ago. And the user probably won't know, or the viewer probably won't know that that's happened. Um, and technology is making that possible. So you know, if you can show that you've been using you know, various elements of technology um, to produce content, etc., I think that's, that's an invaluable uh, skill. Absolutely. And one thing I want to touch on really quickly is 
OTT, like content with regards to content, like could you just explain to listeners what OTT means and how it's sort of driving how we consume sport, particularly online? Yeah, so OTT is uh, it's probably an overused um, term. Now. It's over the top, right? OTT was um, essentially it's content that's delivered over the internet. So it's over the top of traditional broadcasters like Sky. So if you think of businesses like the, the, the classic one is DAZN that your listeners may have heard of. I mean, the, the, the idea of delivering content over the internet is clearly not new anymore. Um, and if you ask a customer or a viewer, they probably don't know whether they're actually viewing content over an internet or a satellite. So I think what's changed has been the expectations of where you view that content could be on my TV screen, could be on my laptop, could be on my iPad, could be on my phone, the type of content that you consume. So lots and lots of people still want to watch live. And that was clearly demonstrated by the Euros that were smashing um, viewing records. Premier League was up last year. So you know, the idea that people don't want to watch live is just wrong. Um, but actually the choice is far greater now because the internet has allowed you to do that. So if you wanted to watch just in-game clips or you wanted to join a match halfway through and you wanted to catch up quickly, like the internet allows you to deliver all of that type of content. And then you've got all of the content that lives on other channels. So we talked about TikTok, talk about Snap, talk about YouTube, we talk about Facebook and Insta. Um, and that then gives different types of content producers the opportunity to, to bring their content alive. I mean, it's a really good example is House of Highlights that was set up by a young guy in the States. Uh, he then sold that business to Turner, but all he was doing was cutting NBA clips um, and making those available on Instagram and had tens and tens and tens of millions of followers that he was able to turn into a very successful business that he sold. Um, you know, Instagram allows athletes to be their own media companies and their own brands and start publishing content. So really kind of, I suppose, yeah, OTT is a, is a sort of slightly misused term. It's essentially, you know, the internet as as allow much more creativity in how we produce content and has allowed lots more different types of content producers to produce content as well. Amazing. David, thank you for so much for sharing that. I hope the listeners are enjoying this conversation. Out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports grid journey looking back right now? So I, <laughs> that's a good question. So there's a couple of things. I always enjoy it when I can prove the naysayers wrong um so there's a couple of examples the first one was uh mobile tv we used to call it mobile tv um and i remember that we talk about sort of pre and post iphone and i remember going into uh it was the md of sky sports um in those days and i went into his office and i was quite you know young and enthusiastic and we were streaming live football on this little nokia screen and uh went in to show him and um he sort of looked at me he looked at the screen pushed the phone back and he went just come back to me when i can see the effing ball and i was like okay <laughs> so i walked out with my tail between my legs and do you know what i did go back to him um, when you could see the effing ball um on an iphone so that was number one uh i think the second one has been just as, as was the time as you know, just building that network with Sky Sports and just seeing millions and millions of people using our products and, and loving our products. Um, you know, I will always, if I'm at 
the football or if I'm on the tube or whatever and I see someone who's got the sports app open or the scores app or I'll just go and say to them like you know what do you think and they'll look at you and go hang on a minute why are you talking to me but then you'll go no no so my team build that product what do you think and then they'll suddenly go ah this is what I think and this and that and that works and that doesn't work yeah that really excites me um as as you know seeing millions and millions of people using um our products um yeah I'm incredibly proud of what we built there I want to touch on that how important is feedback in any you know with regards to a product reflecting what that little story which is brilliant thank you for sharing yeah so it's massive I think as, as I said before you know there is so much to what digital gives you so much data and insight um but I think from a from a from a so from a product development perspective you can't be real direct insight from people who use your products um, and they'll tell you the good things and they will definitely tell you the bad things. Um, and then I suppose at a personal level, you, you kind of have to solicit feedback because it's one of the things that helps improve your performance. And you shouldn't be shy of asking people how you think, how they think you're performing. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that little snippet at the end. Look, David, I'd like to finish with one final question out of interest. What three qualities would you give to the listener with regards to starting their sports career journey today? What would they be? So I think one is, is, is adaptability, right? So it's a very competitive space, but there are lots and lots of routes in. And I've seen people come in to the industry in many, many different ways. So I think you kind of need to be creative in how you do that, but you should be adaptable. So the thing that you start doing probably isn't going to be the thing that you end up doing. So I think you need to be, prepared for that i think you need a plan but it doesn't necessarily need to be (laughs) fully detailed and you know you you religiously stick to it i think a plan that is flexible and then i think you just need to be resilient i think you're going to get bumps um you're going to get knockbacks but if you're you're kind of clear on why you want to do it and it has to be more than just being a sports fan you'll find a way through Awesome. I hope the listeners take those three. I love the first one being adaptable. David, how can people interact with you online? So I'm on Twitter, dgibbs72. Uh, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Just search David Gibbs Sky. Amazing. To all the listeners listening in, that LinkedIn link and Twitter link will be on my website relating to this blog post. David, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. What a fascinating podcast chat with David and I hope you've got a better understanding about the development and the growth of digital sport. But from a skill set perspective, again, I hope you've just learned how us as human beings consume content, particularly in the sports industry. I found that conversation really interesting with regards to David's journey, but also relating to his sports career development I hope you're also taken on board that sometimes we all go through those bumps, those rejections, those certain roles that we thought we might like, but end up we don't and we end up figuring out the next step. You know, I think that's really important to highlight with regards to David's experience at that betting company where it wasn't for him, but then he figured out to get back at Sky, which you can just tell he thoroughly enjoys. Finally, from a sports career development perspective, I hope you've taken those career tips right at the end, particularly about being adaptable. 
it is so important that sometimes being adaptable can lead us to what we're very good at and what we actually want to do. But at the beginning, it's just getting that foot in the door and then in time being adaptable in what we want to specialize in. For that reason, put those sports career tips into action today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. David said, be adaptable, be creative with a loose plan in where you want to be in the sports industry. And most importantly, stay resilient.